You're listening to the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast. www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony. Happy New Year, everybody. This is what we wanted, isn't it? 2016 in the rearview mirror. 2016, a terrible, horrible, awful year that we all hated and despised. 2016 that took Bowie and Prince and Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds and so many other people we loved from us and is going to put someone on top of us that most of us, a majority of Americans, did not vote for. And most Americans, according to popularity polls, loathe and despise. So happy new year. This is what we wanted. Let's get rid of 2016. Let's get 2017 underway. You know, ever since November 8th, 9th, whenever anybody told me that they were so ready for 2016 to be done, they just wanted this year over with. I thought, no, no, we should savor every fucking moment of 2016. We should savor even every celebrity death in 2016. We should savor every fucking moment that we have a sane president of the United States and a competent scandal-free administration. Really, the last eight years, the Obama administration, thinking back, the only scandal that leaps to mind is somebody snuck into a state dinner and somebody in the East Wing got fired. That's it. That's the scandal of the Obama administration, besides, of course, the bullshit scandals ginned up by 17,000 Republican investigations. No, the only real scandal was that one. Scandal-free. We're going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. He was a better president. We all know now than this country deserved. So, yeah, 2016 is over, and we are staring down the double barrels of 2017. So, enjoy your health care, folks, while you have it. Enjoy the air while you can still breathe it. Support your kids' public schools while they still exist. Enjoy that untainted food, safe prescription medicine, and clean energy while we have them. And enjoy the diverse communities in which you live before Trump's deportation force swoops in and fucks up that too. And remember, this is what we all wanted. Well, not really. This is not what a Trump administration is not what we all wanted. Not by a long shot. Not by the votes of a majority of the American people. This is not what anyone wanted. But everyone seemed to agree that they wanted 2016 over with. In the rearview mirror, get this anus horribleus done and gone. But me, I'm going to miss 2016. I'm going to miss Barack Obama being president of the United States, and I'm going to miss that feeling we had for most of 2016 when we didn't believe Donald Trump could possibly win the GOP nomination, to say nothing of the White House. But we were wrong, and here we are, feeling like a germaphobe trapped under a rim seat. Looking on the bright side, trying to be positive, we're not going to get to January 2021 until we get through 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and the presidential election year 2020. So let's get this shit started. Let's get 2017 underway. Let's let's get Orange Julius Caesar sworn the fuck in so we can get Orange Julius Caesar, if not impeached in the next four years, voted the fuck out in 2020 when we will right this wrong. 
Coming up today on this show, tons of your questions to kick off the New Year's with a bunch of sex advice. And we have a very special guest, Nancy Hartunian, my producer, who everybody loves when she comes on the show, but she will come on the show only very rarely, actually comes on the show today to field two questions with me that you are going to enjoy on today's show. Hello, Mr. Savage. Uh, I'm a 45-year-old single male. I have a question for you about my 21-year-old niece. She has posted pictures on Instagram uh, recently showing her in in uh, just underwear and sometimes no bra, but hiding her nipples with little emoticons or stickers or things, um, alone, posing in a sexy way, or with um, a friend of hers, female friend. I did not see this because I'm not on Instagram much. Uh, my wife pointed this out to me. And my question for you is... She did this. She posted these pictures after breaking up with a boyfriend. And my wife's take on it is, is that she's brokenhearted, she's upset, and she's looking for attention or gratification um, by posting these pictures so her friends can say how great she looks. They're not the most appropriate for a young person, but I don't really want to pass judgment on it. And I feel the best thing to do is just not do anything. But my wife thinks that as the uh, the uncle who she um, relates to in some ways, that I should say something about it. Um, so what do you think? Um, I should add that she is kind of ostracized from uh, my sister's family because um, she's not Mormon. Uh, she was kind of forced into Mormonism growing up, and when she became older and left the house, she got some tattoos and kind of went on her own path. And I've kind of been her advocate uh, in the past. Um, so what do you think? Should I say anything to her, give her some advice somehow without sounding judgmental um, or not coming across as a lecture um, or just stay out of it? Your niece is 21 years old. She is an adult. She is an adult who lives on her own and has boyfriends and has breakups and has an Instagram account and has tattoos. And you should butt the fuck out. That's what you should do. You should stay the fuck out of it. You should be there for your niece, talk to your niece, keep those lines of communication open. And if she asks you questions about the way she's representing herself on social media, you could then perhaps share your opinion. But but to give your niece a call or to rush in and let her know that your wife who follows her on Instagram and perhaps should unfollow her on Instagram feels that these pictures that she's sharing may be coming from blah, 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 bad place because she just got broke up. She's seeking attention. Of course she's seeking attention. Everyone on fucking Instagram is seeking attention. And there are a lot of people on Instagram who show a little bit of skin. It's a thing. It's a thing that people her age, some people older, some people I know personally, some people I live with personally, they, they do on Instagram. And it's fine. And it's not necessarily a problem. It can create problems if somebody wants to be school teacher or the future junior senator from Montana or something. Pictures like that can certainly come back to haunt you. But I dream of a future coming soon where so many people have dirty pictures circulating online, sex that got into the wild or their own Instagram photos that, that there's no longer any stigma or a price that people are going to have to pay for these pictures existing online out in the wild because everybody has them just like everybody has basically smoked pot. So it's not that big an issue whether you've ever smoked pot before in the future, everybody's going to have a few of these pictures running around online. So it's not going to be that big a deal. And your niece is helping to get us to that place sooner by sharing these pictures. So 
I would butt the fuck out. The only thing that I might say if I were in your position, if I had slightly paternal feelings toward a niece of mine, is maybe privacy settings. Maybe you want to make sure that Instagram is invite only because you wouldn't want malicious people or trolls finding their way to your Instagram account or ex-boyfriends who may be angry finding a way to your Instagram account and leveraging these pictures now when there is still a stigma and they can't actually still do harm against you. So a word, not shutting her down about her self-presentation, but a word about curating her own followers to make sure that she knows who she is. So presenting herself for. Hi, Dan. I'm a straight female living on the West coast and I've been with my boyfriend for the past two years. And so there is this incident that happened months ago and I'm having a really hard time getting over it. But we were at this family gathering and this is his family's gathering and it was a laser tag event, and which is not my thing, nor do I even know the specifics on how to play it. But I was a good sport, and I participated anyway. And uh, well, anyway, so it was dark, and everyone was running around, hiding from each other. Um, and then I tagged his cousin's husband in the game, essentially putting him out briefly, um, who I don't even really know very well at all. And he completely just screamed in my face. I mean, like, really screamed in my face and called me a fucking blindsiding bitch. Don't know what that means, but obviously this is not okay. And honestly, I didn't know what to do because if this were some random person, I would just handle it accordingly. But because I was around his entire family, I was just shocked. And I ran away in the game and waited till afterwards to tell my boyfriend what happened. All he could say was, wow, that's weird. And the guy that yelled at me left shortly after. It was just unbelievable. It caught me off guard. And the guy obviously has issues. So I relayed my feelings about this to my boyfriend, about how it really upset me that he didn't say anything to this guy or stand up for me in any way. He just said sorry, and we ended up dropping it. So fast forward to a couple months later, my boyfriend had another opportunity to confront this guy at another family gathering. And so he could just stand up for me, which is what I want and what I told him that I wanted. And he didn't do it again. So I got upset again. And it just keeps coming up in dumb, random arguments because I hold it against them. It's been about nine months since the initial incident. And I just feel like it's too late for him to say anything to this guy without me looking like a complete psychopath. I know I will have to see this guy again in other family events if I continue being with my boyfriend and feelings will be brought up again, potentially another argument. So what do I do? How do I let this get past me? Do I let it go? Because it's preventing me from wanting to move forward in this relationship as I feel my boyfriend is failing to stand up for me. He's a great partner otherwise, and I would hate for this to ruin our relationship. I wish you'd left a phone number because I want to call and ask you what's preventing you from confronting this asshole cousin yourself. What's preventing you from, I understand what prevented you from confronting him in the moment because you were the one who was blindsided and assholes in family environments, assholes at Christmas, asshole at wakes and funerals, assholes at weddings are often freer to be assholes than people are to correct them because they have no respect for decorum or deportment or the feelings of others. And the person who is on the receiving end of shitty treatment from an asshole relative in an environment like that 
does care about how people feel and doesn't want to make an awkward situation more awkward for everyone. So someone who would do that to you, they're being inconsiderate. And what happens in that moment is the person who's on the receiving end of the bullshit is a considerate person and takes into consideration the feelings of others and not wanting this awkward moment to snowball into some super awkward confrontation. But then you go away angry and you sit on it and you went to your boyfriend. And generally I'm on the side of people running interference with their own relatives. You know, you're a newish girlfriend, only two years. You're not unaware of these family dynamics. You're not aware of how wide a birth people cut for this asshole and so you went to the boyfriend and said, this is not okay. This bothered me. Can you do something about it? And he's not doing something about it. So now it's up to you to go to the asshole cousin the next time you see him and say, hey, remember laser tag? Remember when you called me a blindsiding bitch? I really think you owe me an apology for that because it's stuck in my craw. I still think about it. Every time I see you, that's what I think about. And I don't think going forward, if you know we become relatives by marriage, that we want this, you and I, either of us want this to be the first thing I think about every time I have to lay eyes on you. So I'm willing to chalk it up to the heat of the moment and some sexist bullshit and write it off if you're willing to apologize. Pick up for yourself. Obviously, your boyfriend either doesn't understand how upset you are about this. Maybe you've downplayed it. Or maybe he's just not going to confront his cousin. Maybe that's not how he rolls with his family. And if you do indeed marry him and you guys are in it for the long fucking haul, you're going to be the one that has to run interference with his family and defend yourself from his family if this cousin isn't the only shitty person in his family. If that's a deal breaker for you, if that's a price fit mission that you are unwilling to pay to be with someone who is so passive that he would allow his family members, by marriage or blood, to be shitty to you without getting in their faces, then maybe you shouldn't build a life with this guy. Hi, Dan, 30-year-old gay guy here from the Midwest. So I got a little conundrum, and I know you get this around the holidays like every year, but so I just came out to my parents in, let's see, September, October. It's very much a need-to-know basis with them uh, for a lot of reasons, going back to teenage childhood years, whatever. Uh, no abuse or anything, but... Um, so, uh, the guy, um, that I'm madly in love with is 65. Uh, I added eight years when we met, he subtracted eight. We got away with it for a little bit. You know what? My dad was pretty okay with the disclosure. Um, I mean, the understandable, don't really understand the age difference, but all right, I get it. Um, and then my mom initially reacted very well. The only thing she said was, is it good to you? Yeah, of course. She said, all right, that's okay. But then cut to cut to a couple of weeks ago when uh, we were supposed to have a clearing the air lunch. My guy was in the burn unit um, for a really rare autoimmune disorder for a week. And during that time, I, and I heard the word body wrap burn unit. I figured he'd be in there for a while. So when mom asked about Thanksgiving, I said, you know, mom, Back in November, if he's still in the burn unit, I'm going to be spending time with him. And she just lost it. And she was like, well, we agreed that we wouldn't do this. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. We took care of that. So cut to two weeks ago, supposed to be clearing the air. I get sat down for a deposition practically. I mean, it's like, well, how did we get from, I don't know you. You haven't told me anything about you. And, and then she ended with, well, and then there's the 65-year-old elephant in the room. Like, all right, 
Um, I wound up, long story short, I wound up leaving um, that lunch because I, I'm an adult. I don't have to take that. And like you've said before, Dan, like our presence in our parents' lives as, you know, adult gay children, um, that's our leverage. So I guess, do I go over to Christmas next week? Because I think she's kind of expecting me to. Um, and they were supposed to meet my guy um, coming up here pretty soon. Um, like December 30th. And I'd like to keep things cool for that. But also, I don't know if, I mean, I don't have to tolerate this and I shouldn't have to, but kind of in a bind. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, I guess. So you seem to have memorized my advice for people coming out to their families, that your presence is the only leverage that adult gay children have over their parents. But you missed, it's almost like you didn't hear the other part of that. Because there's something that's bundled up with that Mm -hmm advice that it seems like you're skipping past which is your you give your parents a year and you answer every asshole question you smile and you are understanding and you are patient basically you model the behavior for them that you wish to be on the receiving end of from them which is patience understanding compassion yeah. listening and so you know your mother saying things like, I feel like I don't know you. Well, she feels like she doesn't know you. You were someone until you're th- in yeah. your thirties yeah, or just in your thirties. And she believed you were straight that whole time. Uh, I mean, right? d- denial is also a very powerful force. I mean, it, she did stumble upon a few porn stashes growing up featuring only older men. <laughs> I mean, like the writing was on the wall, but no, uh-huh. I mean, you know, mother's denial, you know, that aside, no, she didn't, she didn't have confirmation. But you weren't actively deceiving her. You weren't oh, like no, bringing girlfriends no. home. Uh, no, definitely not. Okay, so, so so here's what you do. You go to your mom and you have to be uh, the bigger person. Uh, like I also say when I roll out all that advice about coming out to your parents and presence being leverage is you have to be the bigger person. You have to be okay. the adult in the room because your parents yeah. are having a tantrum. Your parents are toddlers at this moment when you come out to them. And, you know, when you were a toddler and you had tantrums, your parents stood there and smiled and said, I love you. When you said, I hate you, I hate you, I wish you were my mommy and my daddy. And your parents, if they're decent parents, they don't get up and walk out of the room. They don't belt you. They say, and I love you and you'll calm down and you won't be so angry in a minute and you won't feel that way and you don't mean it. And that's what you needed to say to your mother at that moment. Yeah. Right. You needed to be you needed to pay her back for those times when you had tantrums, when you were a toddler that you don't remember that I promise you your mother does. Mm -hmm. Because as a parent, hearing that from your kid, that's a scar that never like fades away. Like you can tap those moments. You remember those moments all your life. They're painful. But but you're the bigger you're the grown up in the room and you have to let go. All right, I'm going to absorb that. And I'm not going to be lash out and be an asshole Mm because this is a toddler. Mom's a toddler right now. And you need to be, and I think you need to err on the side of really explicitly unpacking it for her and answering her questions and saying things like, all right, you want to talk about how old my boyfriend is? Let's talk about the porn that you found in my room when I was a kid. Some people are attracted to significantly older partners. Your son happens to be one of those people. We are not uncommon. There are websites for gay men who are interested in in intergenerational relationships. Exactly. Call them. And maybe this whole line, this whole line of discussion makes you uncomfortable, mom, and we can Mm -hmm. keep having it if you want to keep having it. But here's the info. Here's the download. And I think that's a good and I think that's a good way to go. I think sometimes when people are uncomfortable and, you know, parents say Mm -hmm. dumb things about your relationship, 
that you, you just should you should unpack it for them until they beg you to stop unpacking it for them. Because it's when people have all the information <laughs> that they need or that they thought yeah. they needed or they thought they wanted that they can I, see past it. And it gets your boyfriend off the hook because I'm sure your mother on some level is nursing this this creepy older guy is taking advantage of my naive young son who just came out for his own yep. mm-hmm. you know, devious all, yep, purposes. All of the above, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Antiquated and, stereotypes, but yeah. And only owning you. Yeah. Exactly. And only owning your desires explicitly gets yeah, your boyfriend yeah, off that right. hook. You're, you're very right on that point. Um, I, and I do just worry about, I mean, that lunch, I mean, it was like she was asking me for, like, my secret sexual autobiography. And it's like, Mom, like, why why are Give it you to so her. concerned about the specific places I put my cock over the years? I'm sorry. Like, well, well I know okay. why. I can why? tell you why. Someone tell me. <laughs> because knowing the answer to that question is going to is the key your mother needs to accept your boyfriend as a good person and a loving presence in your life. As awkwardly and insultingly as she uh-huh. may have asked her that information, and, and, it, and even if she she wasn't aware that that's what uh-huh. she was asking for, asking those personal questions about yeah. your relationship. And about why you're in this relationship with this person, even to bring the sexual element into it and the erotic well, which is element, important. yeah. Giving your mother yeah. that info, and it's important to you. It's yeah. part of the reason why yeah. you're with him. Yeah, it is. You're you're with a man because you're attracted to men, and and you can say this to your mother simply: Look, mom, I'm with a man because I'm attracted to men because I'm gay. I'm with an older man because I'm attracted to older men, and I always have been. <laughs> Do you not recall the porn that you found? On this occasion yeah. and that occasion, because I recall <laughs> you, you finding it because we had a fight about it or you shamed me about it at the time. I remember you finding that porn. I'm sure clearly. you do, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK, so. See, but, I, you know, I'm a bit of an outlier on yeah. this in gay land sometimes and in sex positive whatever land sometimes, because I think when people ask the insulting question about, you know, how do you two how do two women do it? when a relative says that to a lesbian who's just come out or has been long out, I think, I think the winning strategy is to sit down and explain <laughs> how two women do it until they're begging you to shut up. Cause sometimes that's what it takes yeah. to get people no, past I, I it. I think you're exactly right. I think, I think for the people who don't accept it and well, accept that like they don't get it, but it's cool. I think for, you know, not for those people, the other ones, they do need too much information. And I was trying to weigh that against like what a mom, you know, what, my, um, you know, what a mom is entitled not to know. But is this a, is this kind of an occasion in your book, at least, where maybe mom gets to know a little bit too much so that she gets it? Mom, in this instance, is asking. Very true. Know. Mom, in Touché. this instance, is telling you that she need that yeah. she she All needs right. to know. And it, and it's a simple convo. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, it's a simple convo. And yeah. and it's not an unrealistic concern. It's not on your mother's part. Now, for 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 your mom, you're always going to be her little boy. For your mom, in some way, you will always be seventeen or eighteen years old and just making yeah. your way into the world. So, for your mom, this older man is sixty five, and you are not thirty and an adult making yep. adult choices. You are eighteen and potentially <laughs> being taken advantage of yep. by this much older man. Right. So your mom's like anxieties. You have to have some compassion and understanding for those anxieties, which are laid on top of the fact that she just found out. Very true. Very true. And I can't remember if I told you in the thing or not. She, I mean, there are different, 
there's definite personality disordered stuff going on with her, but oh, very with much mom. So. You know what though? I think even even given that, it's like even if I and which I really think I can get down with all that, and I like your reasoning behind it, and so I can say that I did all that. I can say that I did it, and it still didn't work. And then really, it is on her to to own her ageism, yes. her homophobia, if it's still lingering. Yeah. And, and yeah. her anxieties. And you can tell mom that, you know, this thing that you're anxious about, you don't need to be anxious about every time she manifests her anxiety about it. You're a longtime listener, so you know that yeah. I was very close to yeah. my mother, right. my late mom, right? You know what she said to me that, that when she met <laughs> Terry, my husband, you know what the what? first thing out of her mouth was? Oh, God, in what? front of him? What in front of him. She just looked at me and went, how old is he? Because Terry was 23 when I met him, and I was 30, and he looked like he was 15. Baby face. I could show you pictures. He looked like a teenager. Baby face, rail thin, like little, you know, my friends made fun of me, but my mother was like, how old is he? And I and I and I was like, Mom, old enough. And then she kept like, she kept bringing it up. And at one point I was like, Mom, this is actually kind of awesome for me because I feel like I finally got to sleep with every guy I had a crush on in high school. Could you stop already? Yeah. And then she stopped. But what she was telling me, you know, the the auto-translate babble, mom babblefish in my ear, you know, that told me mom was saying, mom was saying, you're 30, he's too young, I want to see you settle down with somebody who can be a partner. And she just looked at him and thought, too young to be that person. And then in time, when he proved to actually be that person, mom was fine with Terry, Terry was fine with mom. I didn't bear a grudge about it. I didn't bring it up all the time or throw it in her face. It was just the... Anxiety how, mom moment that she how had long that did had it to be to addressed. Around, if you don't mind me asking, like a year, a year or two, on the on the Terry's too right young on. to be your husband okay. potential issue. A All year right. or two, and no, and I remember hearing about the priest who who gave that a who who talked to your mother and really helped her understand that. I wish I had one of those in my back pocket right now, but um, you know, uh, no, I, I do feel. <laughs> confident to be able to have just some sort of and non-combative conversation with her too um but it let, yeah. but you have to let her be com- if she gets let her, combative, let her be combative. you gotta let her yeah that's part that's that's half of my advice bundled up with the uh, your only leverage is your presence in their lives as an adult half of it is they get to have a meltdown they get to have a shit fit they get to ask insulting questions and you say you know you have a year to get right. this out you have a year to work through this here's a book Here's a book about, you know, parenting gay kids. Here's a book about being gay. Here's a book about intergenerational relationships. Here's the <laughs> documentary about Christopher Isherwood and his longtime partner who was yeah, 40 years I younger than he was. Yeah. Watch uh-huh. all, all right. this. All right, great. No, uh, yeah. And, and then, I guess I and then we can talk, Mom. Bit, so I got to give him a little bit of time. You do. You got to give him a little bit of time. And I would, if I were you, yeah. go home for Christmas and the sooner they meet your boyfriend, how long have you been with your boyfriend? Uh, it was four years this past August, so we're going on like four and a half years. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take him home. It's it time. Is. Time for mom and dad to meet uh, your partner, uh, not your boyfriend, who I hope is feeling oh, better. Oh, much better. Much better. He takes care of himself. I'm very happy for that. So, um, hey, Dan, thank you so much for the callback, and thank you for all the fucking fabulous work that you do. Truly. My pleasure. They they pay me, so it's not altruism, but you're welcome. Hi. I'm a mid-40s woman in a small town in Oregon, calling because my boyfriend, who 
I love very much, although we haven't been together that long. I was out of town for work and family matters, which took me out of town for almost a month. And unbeknownst to me, almost the whole time I was gone, my boyfriend began binging on meth and having unprotected sex with men from Craigslist in my apartment, in my bed. They would, she would shoot up, the guy would smoke it. Other men would come over and bring him K or Coke and exchange blowjobs. He recorded himself having gay sex in my bed. He was jerking off to the videos. He was having threesomes with men at the other man's house. Um, they showered together. They were all over everything of mine. I found out just uh, snooping on a gut instinct. And I, what I found was just beyond my wildest imagination. And he denied, denied, denied until I put the series of text messages from the man in his face. Things like, when you come over, I'll have the door unlocked and I'll be in the bedroom. There might be a random third guy show up. Making references to the hot loads that he deposited. Anyway, everything. Anything that you could imagine. Um, we, he is just crushed and destroyed and feels worse than awful, which is just as, you know, better than he should feel, I think. But as you know, incredibly apologetic, wants to work it out, has bought me a new bed. We're seeking counseling. He's seeking counseling. Um, he was unfortunately taken advantage of by his stepfather as a child. And I don't think he's ever really worked through that. Um, he's had encounters with men before that he told me about the very first, when we first met and has an affection for transsexuals which I was willing to, all of this I was willing to work with. Now he would like to reestablish something, get a relationship to a better place. Um, I don't know. I'm still in shock. I don't know what to really do. Um, I know that I should probably just dump the motherfucker already. I just, I love him so much. And I just, I still have so many questions that I, 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 I can't just push him out because then I just sit in silence and, and my mind just races as my heart breaks more. So I don't really know what to do or where to go. So I'm hoping you can help. Yours is a good example of what I call retroactively permissible snooping. People, every once in a while, I smile on snooping. Somebody snoops. And I'm like, well, okay, snooping is understandable. It's an understandable impulse. There's all these opportunities now to snoop laying around because people have phones and text messages and Instagram accounts and DMs and all the rest of that crap. And snooping is not okay, officially not okay. And everyone has a right to privacy and some autonomy. That said, every once in a while somebody snoops and they find out shit that they not only might want to know, but absolutely positively have a right, a pressing right to know. This person that you're in a relationship with, this man with whom you live, is having meth-fueled sex binges with random men that he's meeting on the internet and a lot of them and taking their loads. You as his partner, male, female, or whatever, you have a right to know. You have a right to know that that's going on. You have a need to know that that's going on so that you could protect yourself from the danger that he was placing you in. So... Your call, good example of snooping 
that is retroactively permissible based on what is found. That said, of course, snooping is never okay. All right, what do you do about this guy? I think you DTMFA. I don't think this is a place that you can come back from very easily. Yeah, he has things he needs to work through. He needs to work on this. And I think he should go work on this on his fucking own and for himself, not to win you back. You are not the stuffed animal at the fair that he's going to win. If he knocks down all the milk bottles for his own sake, he needs to repair whatever damage that he has. He needs to get to a place where he can act on his sexual desires for men or women or trans women or whatever he's attracted to and whoever he's attracted to without meth and without deceit and without lies and without endangering other people, without endangering his partners, his future partners. This is a bed shitting that cannot be unshat, in my opinion. I don't think you will ever get to a place where you can trust him again because you caught him. You snooped and found all of this out. And at first he denied, denied, denied. And then when you presented him with proof, not only that he did these things, but proof that you knew that he was lying to you, then he was crushed, destroyed, and felt worse than awful. And only then. Up until that point, he was just going to power through, just going to deceive you, so that the next time you had to go out of town for whatever, family emergency, business, whatever, he would do this again. He was holding that in reserve, the ability to do this again. So, yeah, no, no, DTMFA. And he needs to go into therapy. And one of the things he needs to carry with him into therapy is what this cost him. It cost him you. It cost him a really great and terrific relationship. You are part of helping him hit bottom so that he works on this. Losing you is part of helping him hit bottom. There are other dudes out there. You can and should get on with your life. Who knows? Without you, hopefully he will get into therapy. Hopefully he will work on this. Hopefully he will do the repair with the assist of a good counselor or therapist that he needs done. And maybe in five years, two and a half years, five years, seven and a half years, 10 years, maybe you guys will run into each other again and he'll be in a much healthier place. And you could pick up then if you are not with someone else. My hope for you though is that you will be with someone else at that point and soon. Hello, Dan. I'm a 29-years-old bisexual man, new listener and a new caller. I've been in a four-month relationship with a new woman, and I've been open to her about my sexuality from the start. Uh, she's been more than accepting of it, and uh, we've had some fun pillow talk about uh, the things I've done and the things we could possibly explore as a couple. Uh, she's open to the idea of uh, bisexual three-ways and uh, other uh, fun things as long as it's a couple. She's not open to the idea of open relationships, uh, which I can expect. She also wants to focus on uh, us first, creating a connection together before we go and invite someone into our relationship, which I can also expect. Well, we are creating a fantastic love connection, a really good relationship, but we've only been dating for four months, but the longer I hold off on my desire for other men, uh, the more I also lose my sexual attraction towards her. Um, I feel like a big part of my drive was 
uh, exploring in the kinky fun. And uh, the longer we quote unquote work on us, uh, the more I feel like it damages our sexual relationship. I don't know how to approach this to her because I don't want to pressure her into doing something she's not ready for, or maybe she's not even interested in anymore. Um, I would like to bring up the idea of an open relationship, even though I already strongly supported the idea that we didn't need to do so. Um, I didn't know if maybe she'd be more accepting of it if I told her that I only wanted to date other men. Um, so I don't know where to go from here. I, I really am starting to care about her and I don't want to lose her, but I also don't want to scare her away. Uh, I think too forward. First, I want to heap praise on you for being out to your female partner about being bisexual. That is tremendous. And a lot of guys similarly situated guys with girlfriends, guys who are bi guys with histories with men aren't out. And it's a huge problem. And it's not just by guys being deceitful. That's not what I'm saying. It is a culture that doesn't create a space for bi guys to be open about who they are without being unfairly judged and stigmatized by their partners. That, however, does not free bi people from the responsibility of being honest about who they are with their partners, because that shit ain't never going to change until more bi people are out to their partners at the end of sermon. All right. What do you do about your girlfriend? You say you don't want to pressure her into doing something that she doesn't want to do or that she's not ready for. On the other hand, you have been pressured into doing something that you don't want to do. You have agreed to a closed relationship for the time being. And that time is up to her. How, how long this relationship is going to be closed is entirely up to her. Seems to me that you need to go to her and say, it's been four months and I've learned a little bit about myself in this relationship being in a closed relationship. And what I've learned is that it's not for me. And what I've learned is that what's on offer, that maybe at some point down the road, we could have the occasional threesome with another dude. That's also not, I think, ultimately what I want or what I would be happy with. I want an open relationship. I want the freedom to date other guys and be with you at the same time or be with the woman that I am with in the future at the same time. I would like that woman to be you. But if that's not what you would want. If that's not the kind of relationship that you would want to be in, maybe what we both know now is that we're not destined to be together, that we aren't a good match sexually. I want to be with somebody that I can have sexual adventures with. I also want to be with somebody who allows me to have sexual adventures, perhaps even relationships with other men on my own. And I want, of course, to allow the person that I'm with to have those same freedoms that I am asking for and that I would like to have. And what I've come to learn in the four months we've been together, I kind of require. And you can say that without laying blame, without recrimination, without anger. You've learned something about yourself over the course of these four months, this time that you've spent with her, time you're grateful to have spent with her, good time that you've spent with her. You can mention that you're worried about how this is cratering your desire for her. Because right now, and I think this is legit, and I think you can make this point, Right now, she's coming to symbolize to you not sexual possibility, not sexual adventure, not sexual freedom. She's coming to symbolize to you frustration, denial, which you can't have. Every moment that you spend deprived of dick in relationship with her is just causing you to look at her and see all the reasons you can't have some dick right now. And you, you're you by and you're needing some dick. You'd like some fucking dick right now. 
There are plenty of bi people out there in long-term committed monogamous relationship with opposite sex or same-sex partners, and they are capable of honoring those monogamous commitments. You aren't one of those guys, though. You aren't one of those bi guys who's going to be capable of honoring that monogamous commitment over the long haul. You, because you know yourself, you know that you need her. If it's going to be her in your life, you need a partner, but you also need dick. And you don't want to be in a position where you resent your partner and lose feeling or attraction to your partner because being with her means no dick for you. So her and dick or someone else and dick, but not what you've got right now with her. And you're just going to have to be honest and direct. Hi, Dan. I'm a 20-year-old gay male attending university in the Pacific Northwest, and I have a question about a guy I've been seeing lately. For about six months, I've been regularly hooking up with a closeted 25-year-old grad student who initially informed me he was only interested in casual sex. That was okay with me since I didn't really want to be in a relationship with someone in a closet, but his recent behavior is kind of making me reconsider. See, whenever we hook up, he always begs me to stay after and we end up talking for hours. We have really serious conversations about each other's lives that feel meaningful and productive for me. And lately, I've been staying over at his house after sex, and he frequently cooks for me. Both mention how much we enjoy spending time together, and it's making me realize that I have a huge crush on him. The problem is that despite being extremely affectionate with me in private, he literally pretends I do not exist when we run into each other on our mid-sized campus. Even if he's completely alone, he'll look straight through me and keep going. If he was around other people when I saw him, I wouldn't find it a problem. But it seems a little dramatic that his whole closeted life would be called into question by simply saying hello back when we see each other. I've expressed my feelings about this to him, and he says it's just too risky to acknowledge me at all. I don't get it. I know I got myself into this mess and that a relationship in most capacities is out of the question. He's not coming out, and I'm not going to try and make him too. I just want to know, what do I do now? I obviously have feelings for him, but I don't know how to kind of manage them and keep them in check. Since I enjoy his company so much and also find him pretty attractive, how do I keep hooking up with this closeted faggot without letting my feelings for him get in the way? Please help. If you liked this guy, fine. If you enjoyed spending time with him, if you enjoyed having sex with him, but you didn't have feelings for him, you weren't romantically attracted to him. You didn't fantasize about what could be if he was a fucking grown-up and came out of the goddamn closet and stopped playing games. Then maybe you could continue to be his dick on call and his behind-closed-doors fuck buddy. But you have feelings for him. And this is how he treats you in public. This is where you're going to get hurt. Because you are falling for this guy who is one human being to you when the doors are closed and the shades are drawn and who is a completely different and utterly shitty human being to you out in public, on your campus. There's only so long you're going to be able to have feelings for this guy and be treated like shit by this guy in public before you are wounded, before it's not funny anymore. So you have to end this. You have to go to this dude and say, I like you. In fact, I'm catching feelings for you, which is why I'm not going to see you anymore. You need to grow the fuck up. You need to come the fuck out because you're never going to have love in your life. You're never going to have a serious long-term relationship or any sort of romantic connection of whatever duration as long as you're playing this game because grown-up, adult, queer people will not pay this price to be with you. They will not be 
hidden anymore because adults will not date people for long who treat them like some dirty little secret that has to be hidden away. I am no one's dirty little secret. You know what I am right now? If we go forward, if I keep sucking your dick, if you keep sucking my dick, if I keep fucking your ass, you know what we are? We are boyfriends. And I have a right to my lived experience. And this is what you say to him at the end. I have a right to my lived experience. I have a right to confide in whoever I want to confide in about who I'm dating and who I'm seeing. And I'm seeing and dating you. And this is not a threat. I am not going to out you. I'm not going to run up to you on the street or the quad and try to stick my tongue in your mouth. But just know that when you date out gay guys, you are taking a little tiny step out of the closet. Because we don't live in fear and we don't live with secrets. And I may be your dirty little secret, but you are not my dirty little secret. If we continue to see each other, you are my boyfriend. And you will treat me like your boyfriend in public where you will no longer have access to my cock and my ass and my time and my affection and my conversation and my empathy and my sympathy and my concern for you as a human being. Period. The end. Hi, Dan. Um, so my husband's been going to those Asian massage parlors and getting hand jobs. I caught him. He didn't tell me. Um, the complicated thing is we have a newborn baby. She's 11 weeks old, totally adorable. Um, and... I'm doing everything. I'm totally exhausted all the time, and I do all the nights with her. And on the surface, you know, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, him getting yanked off by a stranger in a jogging suit. He says that they wear sweatpants. <laughs> it it kind of doesn't sound like that big of a deal. And the way he explained it to me, it's like getting a massage or getting a candy bar. There's, you know, obviously no emotional attachment here even though the ethics of those massage parlors seem kind of sketchy. I don't know what the deal is with the women who work there. If they're all, it's ethically run. I don't know. That's another topic. But the bigger deal for me is that I feel abandoned in this sea of newborn care that is really 24-7, totally exhausting. I could use help, um, but, you know, he gets all the sleep he wants every single night. And this is just kind of like adding that that last little straw to rub in how how he's going to go out and get some pleasure and some fun and sex with other women um, behind my back while I'm kind of slaving away here, a prisoner in my own home with this newborn. We moved to the opposite coast for his job. I'm away from all my family and friends, and it's... It is more emotional than it seems on the surface. It seems like just this emotionless transaction when, when really there is an emotional aspect of it for me because of the fact that I have this little newborn. So I'm um, just curious what your thoughts are, and um, thank you. So, Nancy, he gave her a baby. He obviously seems to be the breadwinner and is paying for everything because she's staying at home all the time. Uh, and uh, I don't understand what she's complaining about so much. Yeah. She gets to cook too. That's good. That, yeah, that's awesome. And she probably gets to do laundry. She has a creative outlet in the cooking. Oh, yeah. She and, can express herself. And doing laundry is a great way to burn those calories and get that pre-baby body back. Yeah. And if you gets- do it by hand with a washboard like your grandparents did. <laughs> Poor girl. 
Ain't right. Her life ain't right. What? Something ain't what? right. Something ain't right? Something ain't right. Usually when Nancy says she wants to jump on a call with me, it huh. means something very much is not right. And that is the case here. So, Nancy, you wanted to feel this one, so you go for it. All right. So the thing that I wonder if she or he have considered is, this is a very pragmatic, simple thing, uh, breast pump. Get a breast pump, $200, something like that. How much did that hand job cost you? <laughs> <laughs> you get a breast pump, you, pre- you, you pump out some of that good milk in the afternoon, you put it in the fridge, and then when little Junior is squalling up a storm, Dad wakes up, gets the milk out of the fridge, and takes care of those midnight feedings. And that's how the nice couples do it. And this, right now... They don't clear the nice couple bar. He doesn't clear the nice couple bar. No, I'm afraid he does not. The only bars he's clearing right now are entitled, shitty, lousy husband bars. Yeah, I mean, he needs to have a little more compassion for her. And I feel so sorry for her having moved across the country. Like, she's in a bad place with having no support. That's a bad situation to be in. I was going to recommend Le Gesture Grand. Or the Grand Gesture. I don't think that's actually the French for the Grand Gesture, but Le Gesture Grand, let's just call it that. That she take that infant and that she get on a plane and she fly home for a while. That's what I thought too. But obviously she's willing to put up with the, if you want to go get jacked off once in a while by a jack off pro, obviously she doesn't have a problem with that. It's the abandonment, the selfishness, the inconsideration that this is a one-way street. This we're new parents and there's room and space in your life for pleasure and release and relaxation and no room in my life for pleasure and release and relaxation. He seems to think you're a wet nurse and his chattel and you need to do something that snaps that, that, that breaks that, that communicates to him that you will not live like this. Yeah, it's it sounds. I think that's a great idea. She can go home for a few months, and her her family and friends can help with all that stuff. Maybe I don't know what kind of support she has at home, but yeah, I mean, maybe he's feeling sorry for himself because he's working and has a newborn, and having a newborn sucks. It's hard. It's but it's just a relay. hard it, for both. It people. needs to be a relay race. Yeah, yeah. He has to pitch in. He has to pitch in. Man, you have to pitch in. <laughs> You you said man and she has to pitch it. Man, you were talking to him? I'm talking to him. Okay. I call him man. <laughs> I wanted to be clear. You're talking to him because now I'm going to talk to her really quickly. I want to kind of paraphrase something that Joan Price said on the show a while ago that I thought was so smart. It's better to be alone because you're alone than to be alone because you're with the wrong person. It's better to parent alone because you're a single parent than to parent alone because you're married to a shitty person who isn't holding up their end of the deal and making you feel terrible in the process and making you feel taken advantage of because that's going to instill resentment not just in the spouse who's being shitty to you but also in the kid if you let it grow like the cancer that it obviously is you need to root this out right the fuck now yeah and she needs to be really firm and communicative about this whole thing and i think she's been really awesome about you know not freaking out about getting those hand jobs she's like that's fine go do that and you might want to lead with that you're never going to have a wife ever again in your life who wouldn't freak the fuck out and divorce your ass over the sneaking out to get hand jobs. A lot of women would have a huge problem with that. I ain't one of those women. I don't care who jacks you off. I hope tip the nice ladies and do your best to make sure you're not seeing anybody who's being trafficked. Please don't get arrested, whatever. But to expect me to do all the work, to expect me to do all the midnight feedings, to not help out, not cook, not clean, to treat me like shit. Probably more polite to the women who are jacking him off than he is to you, I would venture to guess. That I will not put up with. I will divorce your ass and I will take everything that I can on the way out. 
if that's what you want. If this, because I'm not going to live like this for two more decades while we raise this kid together. And I'm certainly not going to have another one with you if this is the way things are going to be. For once, we agree. <laughs> Usually when we record the show, Nancy is just sitting across from me, slowly shaking her head from side to side, giving me at once the stink eye and the side eye. And I warn her that she's going to hurt herself. Wrong. Doing Electra. that. Wrong. That's what Nancy says to me every day. She sometimes stands under my window of my house and just screams, wrong, savage, wrong, and then runs off. She thinks I don't know that it's her, but I do. Hey, Dan, 30-something-year-old woman, uh, hetero, in a monogamous relationship. I have been with my partner for about five and a half years, and we recently got engaged. And um, we've had a very you know, wonderful, special relationship and um, started off with all sorts of courtship on his behalf um, in the form of love letters and flowers delivered to me and really, really sweet things said. And we've kind of sustained that to a certain extent throughout our relationship, but it has fizzled in the past few years. And um, I don't know, that, that that's not super important to me because we have a wonderful, functional relationship. But um, I guess I always kind of thought that when I got engaged, that maybe I've watched too many rom-coms, but I always thought that I would get like a a little speech or something. (laughs) I, I was expecting him to tell me why he wanted to marry me and something about how much he loves me or something. And that didn't happen. Uh, it, it was really sweet, and um, you know, we were in like a nice place, and he got me a really beautiful ring. But I can't help continuing to think like that. My engagement wasn't there, there. There was there was really no special moment there. I didn't really feel anything emotional in that moment, and I feel disappointed in that. And I don't know whether that's something that I can say to him and maybe ask like why that didn't happen um he basically was just like hey will you marry, marry me anyway i'm i feel like i'm sounding like an insane princess as i said out loud but uh this is where i'm at and um you're the best and if you want to yell at me like please do because i'm probably being like horrible anyway thanks dan oh man i i accidentally left the mic on dan oh, wait what whoopsie <laughs> You have feelings about this call, too? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, so I am not one of those sentimental types. I'm kind of like the boy in my relationship. I, I hate those romantic gestures, and I would rather gnaw my own leg out of a bear trap than watch a single Julia Roberts movie. <laughs> <laughs> what about those YouTube flash mob proposal videos? <laughs> no, if, man. If your husband had organized a flash mob to propose to you, you would have gnawed his leg off. <laughs> that, that actually would be kind of awesome. <laughs> oh, wait, really? Yeah, I like music. That's oh, okay. fine. No, but, you know, the the flowery, girly stuff doesn't work for me. And, and the, the, remembering, the remembering of anniversaries even. Like, I'm just not good at that stuff. Oh God, we're the same. <laughs> Our anniversary comes and goes every year without Terry. Either of us remember, and there's literally a poster on the wall in our bedroom from the night at the bar that we met. It was a bar's fifth anniversary. There's a poster framed in our bedroom on the wall of that party with the date that we met. And we walk by it every day 
and yet we still miss our anniversary so, every year. So Terry misses it too. Yeah, we both do. We're so like, that's oh, right, different. Whatever. It's bad when it's one person in the couple just is really longing for those. You know, I want the ring. I want the dress. I want you to send me flowers. All that stuff. That's hard mm-hmm. when one of the couple isn't into it, and the other is, which seems to be the case with this caller. Well, it seems to me that she's faulting her boyfriend, who she seems to love, for not being demonstrative in a flowery, poetic way that she seems to think that she's entitled to experience once or twice in her life. The proposal, for instance. She said it was really nice, and he had a nice ring, and he said, would you marry me? But he didn't then rattle off a half a dozen brand new sonnets that he wrote about how he, he feels about her. He didn't break out the ukulele. He didn't break out the ukulele. There was no flash mob. Yeah. That's hard. And so, but, and she, she can't change her, her need for that. And so even though I think that stuff personally, it doesn't work for me and I don't care about that stuff, it wouldn't kill him to do that for her every now and again. And it wouldn't kill her to tell him that that's what she needs, yeah. which is the missing piece, I suspect. Yes. Because part of, usually when you talk with somebody who has this kind of need, they want the person to read their minds, to know they need it, to give it to them without asking for it. And asking for it somehow ruins it, but not getting it is worse in the end than asking for it. The feeling you get not getting it has to be worse than the feeling you would get asking for it and getting it. So you need to go to him, caller, and you need to say, there was a missing piece of that proposal, so we're going to do it again. We're going to try it again. And the missing piece is I need you to tell me why you want to marry me as opposed to some other woman passing by at that moment. I need to hear it. And you know what? Caller, I think he might like to hear it from you too. Sometimes you got to, like Gandhi never said, be the change you want to see in your partner. When's the last time you went off at him about how awesome he is and how much you love him? You know, if you're bringing the chocolates, if you're bringing the flowers and you never get in the chocolates and flowers, you have a beef. If you're bringing the I love yous and you're awesome in all these ways and I couldn't live without you and you're never getting that with return, in return, maybe then you have a beef. But to say it's all, at the, all on the guy to make the romantic proposal, just like to say it's all on the guy to bring the chocolates and flowers and never to be brought the chocolates and flowers, I think that's kind of sexist. And there's going to be a time when there's something that he wishes you were doing that you're not doing because it's just not intuitive for you. And you just got to figure out how to do that for like him because that's that's Slipping being the finger married. in during the blowjob, for instance. <laughs> Whatever it is. Cupping the balls. <laughs> Sitting through the goddamn football game. <laughs> While you cup his balls. <laughs> yeah, but um, Collar's fiance, one year from now, got to remember that anniversary and you got to do something real nice for her. You just got to just fake it. Just pretend doing what you want. Hi, Dan. I'm a 29-year-old female, and I really need your help. My boyfriend of five years likes another woman. She's a new friend of his, and he first told me about her about a month or two ago when he kissed her, and that he was sorry. We hadn't opened up our relationship yet, and this kiss was a breach. He has a hard time making friends, and so even with the kiss, I was okay with them remaining friends. We started talking about an open relationship, but agreed that they wouldn't get physical again until we figured more out. A week or two ago, he tells me that he really likes her and wants to explore a relationship with her, but he doesn't want to lose me. They can't picture his life without me and that having her in his life doesn't compete with what he has with me and that more love is a good thing. They take it all in. I don't disagree with what he is saying. I know that one person can't complete or fulfill another person fully. I get that. 
I think, though, that in our talks of opening up relationships, I always pictured it remaining at the physical level. And his emotional attachment to her has thrown me off. I've been processing, and I've told them that it makes me uncomfortable, but maybe that it will change. I'm trying to be open to it. Yesterday, I find out that on Friday, they kissed again, and that, in fact, they've kissed once more a while back, and that last weekend, while I was away, he watched her masturbate. He thought it was still in compliance of the not getting physical role. I feel so confused, Dan. On one hand, I feel hurt and betrayed and insecure. Him watching her haunted me in my sleep last night, and now my stomach turns thinking about them together. On the other hand, I can see how happy he makes her, and I want to believe what he says, that it doesn't change how he feels about me, that him being more fulfilled is a good thing for our relationship. And, you know, in the past month or two, he has been giving me more of what I want in our relationship, which has been nice. Can you give me some advice, Dan? I want I want to give us the green light. We weren't in a perfect place before all this happened, and maybe this is what we need to be together. Maybe I'll find someone to, you know, to throw in the mix. But I'm nervous. I'm nervous that I'm uncomfortable with him and her now, that I never will be comfortable with it. But maybe that's just because of the way this all started out. Or am I just being a fool? Am I just being walked all over? Listening to your call, what I kept turning over and over and over in my head is this, basically. Open relationships aren't for everyone. Maybe they're not for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a right to you know, prefer one relationship model over another and not to have one imposed on you unilaterally not the one you signed up for five years ago. And I'm a little suspicious of your boyfriend. You say, you know, the past couple of months while this has been going on, he's been giving you more of what you want from him. He's been more loving, more attentive, more whatever, because that ends up sounding kind of manipulative, kind of like he's bribing you. Like you'll get the boyfriend that you deserve out of him if you let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. So I would eye that with some suspicion the good behavior of late. Mm -hmm. And maybe he's turned over a new leaf. Maybe, you know, being with you and being allowed to be with other people will make him appreciate you more and it won't stop. But I would be concerned that if you sign off on an open relationship, sign off on him being with someone else and not just being physical, but an emotional entanglement or emotional relationship, a romantic connection as well, that clearly leaves you feeling insecure and unhappy and is haunting your dreams at night, that the good behavior may stop, but there's only one way to find out if the good behavior and the attentive, loving treatment would stop if you allowed for it, which is to allow for it and see what happens. But if you know yourself and you're 29 years old, you're a grown ass woman. If you know yourself well enough to know that you could have an open relationship, but you want emotional exclusivity that if he fucks somebody else every once in a while, not a problem. But if he has another girlfriend, that's not something you could, live with very comfortably. It's not something you would want. You have a right to say that you have a right to make demands. You have a right to the price of admission that you're asking of him as well. Because for me right now, this also sounds like a price of admission showdown, which sometimes happens where your price of admission is if we have an open relationship, it's just sex, no romance. And his price of admission is I want to have another girlfriend. 
and one of you has to blink. Somebody loses there. And you have to decide if you're willing to lose and he has to decide if he's willing to lose. And if you aren't or he isn't, then it's over. Yeah. I've been um, thinking about compromising. And yesterday woke up in another panic attack. You know, I just like could not breathe. And what is it that, what is it that panics you? What? What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that I'm just, I'm being foolish that I'm letting somebody, I'm just sitting pretty while he gets everything he wants. Mm -hmm. That what he gives me right now is security and safety. Even when we're pissed at each other, we lie in bed and I still feel that. Mm -hmm. But the minute I think about him emotionally connecting with someone else, I feel the opposite. Mm Mm-hmm. You feel threatened and insecure. I feel threatened and insecure. Because I do, and I hate feeling this way. Okay, so you feel threatened and insecure because him having that emotional connection with someone else may result in what happening? Him leaving you for her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and um, him leaving me for her. Yeah, and and just I have I worked. I'm 29 years old, right? Like I have had so many walls up, and he's the first person that I dropped them for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been, I feel like I should have never put them up. I feel angry. Okay, let's let's game this out. Or drop them down. Let's game this out for a second. So you fear if you let him have her, that you may lose him to her, correct? Mm-hmm. What if not letting him have her loses him? You lose him. That's, that's what, Yeah. I, and I and he's made it clear that this is that this is where he stands. And I've spent my life not being clear and letting people disagreeing with people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm at a time where I want to name what I want, but it's a shitty time to realize that because then I'm going to lose the person who's been central in my life for five years. Right. Yeah, that's the risk you're running. But that's a risk we're all always running. Everyone is always running that risk because people aren't nailed to the floor even if other people don't come along. Relationships end for all sorts of different reasons. And you want to be in a place, whether you're with someone or not, where you could, if you had to, be alone again because you could be alone again. You don't want to be so, you know, you want to lean into someone's emotional support and provide that kind of emotional port for someone else in a relationship. But, you know, car accidents happen and people disappear off the face of the planet. And sometimes relationships end for other reasons. Sometimes we get dumped. Mm -hmm. And so you want to, you know, appreciate that kind of emotional support and that relationship and what it gives you without being so dependent on it that you couldn't live without it. And sometimes we say we couldn't live without it. I couldn't live without this person. And we say that, you know, like we're crossing ourselves or we say that like peace be upon him. We, we say it cause we kind of mean it cause it's sort of true, but we know on some level that if the worst came to pass, we would in time be fine. As devastated as we might be initially, heartbreak is something that people get over routinely. You're exactly right. And that's what I've been really thinking about and trying to find the support in myself, mm-hmm. you know, that I, what I need. Um, that that I can generate it myself, that I have the power to make myself safe and secure also. Mm-hmm. You do. 
One of the ways you demonstrated the power to make yourself feel safe and secure was finding this guy and letting your guard down, tearing those walls down. That, you know, you were together for however many years and then the walls had to go back up and you had to go out there and find a new person. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have been in this relationship. That doesn't mean you made a mistake by taking those walls down. You found what you needed in him. That means you have the ability to find what you need elsewhere if it comes to that. Right. Well, I've been thinking about saying yes to this. And I mean, that's where I'm at today. And every day I feel different. And I granted, I know that it helped makes me feel physically. And I, we actually, um, we're going to talk about it tonight. Okay. That's why. <laughs> I'm so glad I called when I did. <laughs> yeah, like literally in like 10 minutes. These, these are not one or the other <laughs> recommendations on my part. To be fine with or without him doesn't mean, therefore, you should say no to him. You can be, you can get to a place where you're fine with or without him and you let him do this to see what it is like, to see if it is something that your fears are uh, misplaced or overblown, to see if, you know, allowing him to have two girlfriends, to be poly, you know, that's a scary step. But if you... It's a big step. It is a big step. And, and what I'm saying to you is if what you're feeling is you're going to let him... That doesn't mean you have to stay for 35 years of this. If you let him and it doesn't work for you, if you let him and it's too painful and the pain doesn't subside and it just stays painful at the same pitch. If you let him and it never gets not painful, if you let him and there's nothing in it for you, then you, because, because you, because you are also at a place where with or without him, you're fine. You never know what might be in it for you. You might end up having not a sexual relationship, right. but a friendship relationship with this woman. Some people do with their poly partners, their V-shaped poly relationships. Some people do have like really intimate and intense friendships with their partner's partners. Maybe that could happen for you. Maybe it won't. Only one way to find out. Right. But it is a risk. And all I'm saying is you are free to go at any time. If you If you let him do this and it doesn't work for you, you want to be in a place where with him or without him, you're fine. With him or without him, you know that you have it in you to go find someone who can provide you with emotional comfort and a sense of security. And you have to remind yourself that when you find that person who provides you with that kind of emotional comfort and sense of security, you have provided yourself with that emotional comfort. You have provided yourself with that security because you went out and found that person, that you did that. You did that with him. You can do it with somebody else. Keep that in mind as you let him do this. So that if he does it and you're unhappy, you know that you can go. Are there boundaries that work in polyamorous relationships? Like, is that a thing? Or is it really, is that me just trying to control my insecurity? Well, you know, is that approaching it all the wrong it way? It depends on what the boundaries are. Some people want to set limits or conditions that are unrealistic and unworkable. And it's a way of saying, I don't want you to have another girlfriend, have another boyfriend. So here are my conditions for you having another boyfriend or another girlfriend. And they're so elaborate and Baroque and ridiculous that you can't have another girlfriend or boyfriend. Do you know what I mean? Like if your conditions are, you have to be home right. every night with me in bed, every night with me in our bed alone. And we, you can't have meals with that person and you can't ever buy that person flowers because you bought me flowers and you can't do this and you can't do that. And the list is insanely long it's basically a minefield that you've created that is definitely going to wind up in you know things exploding all the time. 
And that's just a way of not, con- it's not a way of being controlling. It's just another way of saying, no, I don't want to be in this kind of relationship. So I don't know what kind of boundaries right. you're setting. Like if a boundary is you don't fuck her in our bed, but you can fuck her in your bed and you can fuck her if you guys had a guest room in the guest room that, but you know, our bed is just for us. Our bedroom is a you and me only space. I don't think that's an unrealistic or unfair limit or boundary to set. But it depends. Mm-hmm. What kind of mm-hmm. what kind of boundaries are you talking about? Well, <laughs> one of them you named where it was like you can't spend the night, <laughs> but that was just because I wanted to slow down my relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to to have more time um, and to not feel threatened. And I've been realizing that that's that's ridiculous. That I that that's me. That's that that's not that that's constricting a behavior that was going to come out in other ways. I don't think that's necessarily an unrealistic boundary at the start because what he needs to take into consideration as he really presses this from you, as you grant him this before you were ready, as he in a way kind of hustles you along into this is that it's going to require some effort from him at the outset to accommodate your needs and your insecurities And him being gone for a night, if you said yes to this tonight in the conversation you're about to have with him and then he disappeared tonight or tomorrow or this weekend or on Christmas Eve for the whole night, that's too soon for you to spend a night alone. That's too soon for maybe in three months, maybe in six months, maybe as you get more comfortable with his abilities to have another girlfriend while continuing to meet your needs, while continuing to honor his commitments to you, which he has already violated in the run up to this conversation you're about to have. Cause that him watching her masturbate, yeah. that's bullshit. That was a violation right? of the spirit of the law. If not the letter of the law, I didn't touch her. I just watched her jack off. Come on, dude. Like it's not going to get physical means it's not going to get physical. And watching her physically manipulate her vag until she came was getting physical. Even if you were on the other side of the room with your hands behind your head for fuck's sake. He had to know that that was not all right. And so, so he needs to make an effort to demonstrate to you that he's can be invested with your trust. And one of the ways he can do that is by honoring even what can seem at the outset, like an arbitrary or unfair condition. Like at least for the first three months, I need you in bed with me every night so that I know you're still coming home to me. And then we can revisit that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If he wants to be with you, he has to accommodate you. It can't all be you giving and him giving nothing in return. You're making an effort here. You're bridging a gap. He needs to make an effort and he needs to bridge some gaps for you. He needs to demonstrate to you that he's still your boyfriend. Yeah. I'm also jealous. You know, they're having, he wants to have like fun, hot, new sex. And I feel left out. (laughs) Well, you can have fun, hot, new sex with some other dude and then see how he feels about it. That's right. Openness is for everybody, unless he's a Mormon patriarch, and that's the sort of relationship he's asking for, in which case, <laughs> go, back at your shit and leave. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with this convo that you're having in, what, two minutes now? That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, so much. Um, what a wild surprise. It was great talking to you. Good luck. Hi, Dan. My name is Catherine, and I'm calling for the woman who was asking about farting during sex. 
not really an issue for a lot of guys, at least in my experience. They seem to not care about being, I don't know, inhibited by gas. (laughs) It seems to not be that big of an issue. So if she can just let things go, that seems to be the uh, best resolution for her issue. This is in response to the woman who's got the now confident but increasing in size boyfriend on episode 531. Um, As a certified, quote, fat dude, close quote, uh, who's also approaching 40 and has lost 35 pounds, becoming less of a fat dude, let me just tell you that the fact that my wife has said, hey, dude, I love you, be who you are, but you don't want to die earlier just because the extra donut is there. It's not a bad thing. I know about dealing with depression, needing to go to shrinks, getting comfortable with yourself and all that other stuff, but cashing it in the context of, hey, man, that donut's good. Food is okay. It's nice to eat nice things, but the choice between living an extra 15 years together or with whomever you're with or not is also part of that choice. So, if you want to eat that donut, let's go run afterwards, or you know, I don't do that, or maybe just one donut or two slices of pizza. You don't have to eat half of it because you're making choices that affect your longer life rather than just how you feel right now. And it feels really good to be 40 pounds lighter than I was when I was more of a fatty, but I'm still comfortable with who I am. So maybe think about it that way that you can make it positive reinforcement to say, hey, man. One donut instead of three. Hi, Dan. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I am a bisexual woman in my late 20s who's been married for several years to a man, so I'm very straight-appearing and straight-acting, and I struggled with whether or not to come out to my family and my loved ones, and recently I decided to be honest with them and to share that information, and it has enhanced my relationship with them. And it has changed how I feel about myself and how I interact with the world. And I just wanted to say thank you for making me feel like that was important because I didn't realize how important it was to myself until I did it. And I am happy to be an out and queer woman now. And it feels amazing. Happy New Year, everyone. And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-302-2064. Read my column, Savage Love, every week in the Isthmus in Madison, Wisconsin, and other newspapers all across the country. Hump, my amateur porn film festival, the 2017 festival is now touring the country, kicking off January 11th in San Francisco, then going to Columbus, Pittsburgh, Eugene, Los Angeles, Albuquerque, Madison, Chicago, and more. Go to humpfilmfest.com for tickets and more information about Hump, the world's greatest amateur porn film festival. And be sure to subscribe to Blabbermouth, the Stranger's Weekly Politics Podcast with, with me and Eli Sanders and Rich Smith and a rotating cast of other strangers. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.